Are you ready for the word today? Let's just pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost to minister to each and every one of us, to our children downstairs. We are thankful and grateful, and we trust and rely upon you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be really transparent with you this morning, share something on my heart that I've been going through for a couple of months. And uh, what's on your mind? I thought, how fitting is that? It was just... The Lord knows. And so, anyway, our scripture for the year is Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. I know why the Lord gave me that scripture. And I'll get into it a little bit more. But... Um, uh, Statistics, if you know a little bit about statistics in the church realm, I found this. It says two out of three Christians have a season of spiritual doubt sometime in their walk with God. Two out of three Christians have a season of spiritual doubt. And then this is the size of churches. This is the size of churches. A smaller standard church, zero to 49 40% of churches in America are that size. 40%. A larger standard, that's a smaller standard. A larger standard is 50 to 124. That's 27%. So if you add those two together, that's 67% of churches are less than 124 people. 67%. The next size is 125 to 249, which is 18%. That's the size of our church. We we probably have about 200 members. We have about 160 with both services. So that's where we fit in. So if you add that up, that's 15, 5, that's 85%, give or take. And then the large is 250 to 500, 500 to 999. But my point is this, is that we're doing all right. But I know that I'm still believing that we'll be running 200 people because I want to affect more people's lives. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor of God that provides so you're protected as you c- confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you, to stand in triumph. Put on holiness, the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace in every battle. Take faith as you're wrapped around shield, for it is able to extinguish you to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers, and pray also that God's revelation would be released through me, Every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. That is part of your responsibility. I'm going to read that again. 
pray also that God's revelation would be released through me, through the minister, that's Paul, every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. Even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am his ambassador. For the last two months, I would say this has probably been the, the worst two months in my life in a really, really, really long time that I can't even remember. I'm going to share my heart because uh, not, I don't, don't, don't give me pity. My point is don't do that. That's not the purpose of this. You know, I was just thinking, you know, the majority of ministers who speak, they're always positive, which is good, and they're always doing this. But there's times, I believe, that people think that ministers um, have a super anointing not to ever have any problems. And people look at ministers like that. I am just as much on my walk with God as anybody else, and so is every, every other minister as well. And yet, I think there's times when uh, ministers, when they do go through problems or situations, and, and I do know they go through them, because you may not hear about it, but I do. For the last two months, the first, you know, you're always excited when the new year starts off. You're some positive things, great things, and man, I just felt like I got the rug pulled out from me the first week of January. I have some r- rental properties I have lost more money in these two months than I've ever lost in my whole entire life. I've lost more money than I've ever lost. Then if it's just like, okay, you're on the bottom, and you think tomorrow is a new day, and about three or four days would go by, and I would get another phone call about something else even worse. And that went on through the whole month of January and February, and then on top of that, uh, Ron said a couple weeks ago, you know, the finances of the church for the first six or eight weeks are about 50% as much as they were last year. And I go, that's all right. Praise God. He's our provider. And then um, the transmission went out on one of our cars for our family, along with a, a list of things that also went out uh, on that vehicle. And uh, then I got to think about taxes, and I saw my tax guy, and uh, he says, I'm just going to tell you up front, you could be owing as much as $10,000. Yes, that's 10000 as in 10000 And um, so, and then things at the church, you know, uh, we, we're struggling for, we've been struggling to get volunteers, and I was concerned about the volunteers getting burned out. So I just thought, well, maybe we ought to go back to one service. And so I was talking to God about it because this is a big deal to me because there's part of me that does that. I think, okay, we're moving backwards instead of moving forward. But at the same time, I don't want our volunteers to be burned out. And so I, I really felt like God talked to my heart about this. He said, yep, you can do that, Mike. You can. He says, or you can believe and trust me. For growth in your volunteers, and trust me, that your volunteers will not get burned out. And I said, okay. So I started getting, I felt like I was getting a nostril above the, the ocean, you know. And um, my truck broke down. And uh, I, if, if anybody knows me, I love my truck. It's 
God, fam, wife and family, church, and trucks right underneath there. But anyway, uh, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. But anyway, uh, it broke down. I put it in the shop, and um, they couldn't find out what's wrong with it. After three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, six weeks, uh, I get a phone call, and, and they said, well, Mike, we have good news and bad news. And I went, okay, the good news is we did find out what's wrong with your truck. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't do nothing. I mean, it was like dead. I mean, like somebody sprinkled dead juice all over it. It, it would not do anything. And uh, so he said, we... We found this, this is electrical component that's behind your cluster, and, you know, I'm not mechanical. So it's just, it's, they found out. And um, I said, okay, we're good. He said, well, uh, so we're going to have to order that part. So the seventh week, I get another phone call from him. Mike, um, that part that we told you about, it's not available till June 1st. And I just said, as in four months from now, that June 1st, is that that what you're talking about? I thought I had flashbacks when I was in Africa, you know. When you're in a mission field and they say you can't get something for four months, you understand that's that's life. You understand that. But I'm thinking, did I get transported? I mean, I'm in America. You're telling me I can't get apart from my truck till June? June? And I said, that's not acceptable. And so to make a long story short, that was uh, a week ago, so this is going on the eighth week, and I went in there last week, and I just said, listen, you got, you got to do something. I mean, what, what, what do you mean, June, you can't get that part? He says, they have to make it. And then I thought, where? I mean, you may, I, mean I don't care where you make the part on the planet. Does it take, they make a whole truck in days, a whole truck. It rolls off the assembly line, all made. Every day there's trucks running, and you're telling me you can't make my part till June. Okay, I'm getting a little riled up. I got to calm down. But anyway, you can multiply that times 10 when I was talking to him. But anyway, I just thought, I've never heard that in America. And it's not like my truck is in 1940. I could have probably got that part next week if it was in 1940. But anyway, uh, they loaned me a truck, which that was good. At least I have transportation. And uh, so that's where we're at right now. And they said, well, we, we just don't know what to tell you, but we, we can't get it fixed till June. So anyway, all this was going on in my life. And, uh, and then that's just half. The scripture came to my mind in Philippians chapter 1, which is not a good one to come to your mind when you're in this state of mind. When Paul said... It would be far better for me to depart and be with Christ. I thought, that's a great scripture. It would be far better for me to depart and be with you, God. You know, of course, there's a second B part to that, which I wasn't really meditating on. And that was, but it's better for you that I stay here to minister to you. I wasn't thinking of ministering to you all. I'm just being honest. But the Lord showed me a picture a couple of weeks ago. And in the midst of that, I, I went to this convention called Wealth Builders, which I was at the MC and speaking. And the Lord just gave me grace to speak at that because I had zero desire 
the name of the conference was called Wealth Builders. And I'm speaking at that. And I've lost more money than I've ever lost in my whole entire life. And having to pay more taxes than I've ever, and just, and everything was just really bad. And uh, the Lord gave me grace, and everybody goes, man, that was just so great. And man, I just, hallelujah, praise God, this is great. And then reality came back when I came back to Pueblo. The Lord gave me a, a picture of what I'm doing. And, you know, I know everybody handles helping out people differently. And usually you help somebody out the way you get helped or you desire to get help. The horrible way that I do not like, this is me personally, I don't like people to come up and say, well, you just need to stand on the word and quote the word. Probably 90% of the church world, that they do that and they, that helps them, which is good. I may be part of the .002% that doesn't like to hear that. And uh, because in the back of my mind or in my brain, I know that. And you know that more than likely. You know, that's like, you know, when you get pulled over by a cop doing 90 in a 65-mile speed zone and somebody riding with you, you shouldn't have been going so fast. You know, I really don't like hearing that. And it really doesn't help me at the time as he's writing out the ticket. It really doesn't help me. It's not encouraging. Like, oh, really? Thank you so much. God bless you. (laughs) Anyway. um, But the Lord gave me this picture. The Lord knows how to deal with me. You know, the Lord has never told me, you need to stand on the word. He's never told me that. You know why? Because I'm just going, I know. But you know what he does? He loves on me. He loves on me. And I respond to that. I respond to that. I respond to it, you know, like, well, what are you doing? You should be. You should. Come here, Mike. Let me just hold you. I respond to that. Causes faith to, like, to trust in him, to believe in him. So anyway, he gave me this picture of me on a raft with our church, you all, on this raft. And he says, this is what's going on. And this is generically speaking, not everybody. But he says, you're on this raft, a wooden raft, you know, like Gilligan's Island wooden raft. <laughs> you don't know Gilligan's Island, Google it, YouTube it. You can see a raft that they built. But anyway, I was on this raft, and the whole church was on the raft with me, and we were on this big river, and we were just so gently floating downstream. But it was peaceful. But the problem is the Lord says, you're going downstream, and to get to your destination, you've got to go upstream. But you're at peace, everybody's at peace, and nobody's believing the way that they need to be believing and have faith and trust in me. But at the same time, you're not getting to your destination. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I, how many know that's really bad news? All of that, because their livelihood, their existence was based on agriculture and their flocks and everything. And if, that, if they had none of that, they're going to starve to death. They're, 
not going to make it. So that was all going on. And so then it says, yet, verse uh, 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. So God's going to do all of that, and yet it doesn't say everything changed. didn't say that the next day he was rejoicing in God and trusting in God. The next day, man, hey, there's crops magically appeared in the fields, and, and a whole herd of goats and cattle showed up the next day. doesn't say that happened. It just says, my trust is in you, God, and so I can joy knowing that everything's going to be taken care of, and you are going to cause me to rise up into this high place. And so that's exactly what happened to me. And uh, I, I don't tell a lot of people, you know, what's going on in my life or whatever, but I emailed Dad a couple of weeks ago. I said, can you pray for me? <laughs> and I told him half the stuff that I've, that's been going on. You know, and he says, well, Mike, I will, and I just want you to know, you know, God's taking care of you and looking after you. And even though nothing changed before I responded to that email, everything changed. And by that, I meant in my heart going to my head and slapping my head upside the head and saying, Mike, Mike, you can believe. Mike, you can trust me. Mike, I'm going to take care of you. Everything's going to be all right. And uh, I, um, I was starting to come out of this. It, I mean, I'm not a depressing, negative guy. If people who know me, I'm just not depressing. I mean, if I'm down a day, that's a long time, two days. But I was battling, to be honest with you, just being down for probably six weeks, and there's been a couple people here at the church that who know me well said, hey, what's going on? Nothing. <laughs> but inside, I wanted to say, I, the guy who walked on the, the tightrope, I would be falling into the pit and going down in it and go, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm, I, I'm not uh, on the hallelujah course. I'm in hell right now and just trying to not get burnt up, but... This is what I did for days, weeks, I should say. I would walk around in here, and even in my home down in our basement, I would turn on uh, YouTube worship music and play it loud and walk. I probably walked from here to Tulsa in the last six (laughs) weeks. I did it for hours every day. When I mean hours, I mean hours. I didn't get a lot done this last six weeks, but, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, there's not a lot you can do anyway. But anyway, so uh, I just, and I didn't do a lot of praying. I talked to God every once in a while and just say, thank you, Father. I just thank you. My steps are ordered by you. And um, I couldn't read that, Josh. Did you show me a sign? No. Oh, forget it. Okay. He held up something. Um, but anyway, um, I uh, started just feeling good. Just started feeling good. Not that we walk by feelings, 
but knowing and trusting that God was taking care of me, knowing that everything was going to be all right. You know, trust, trust. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. But we don't give up and quit. This is Paul who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. So I'm so glad he put this in there. He was, he was struggling. He says, we are hunted down, but God never abandoned us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. The Passion Translation of Proverbs 24 says this, For the lovers of God may surf, suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. But the unrighteous are brought down by just one calamity and will never be able to rise again. General Patton, I found this quote just this week. It says, success is not getting on top, but how you bounce on the bottom that counts. Man, that ministered to me. It really did. But the reason I want to share, because I felt like the Lord said to share this, is because he said there's people that need to hear that, that when they're on the bottom, no matter how long you're there, that they can trust me because I love them and I'm the father to them that are on the bottom, not just to the people who are on the top. There's grace for people who are the bottom dwellers even. There's grace for that. But it started making me open up my eyes more to what God wants done. You all probably saw that. Well, maybe not. Nobody saw your volcano thing. But... um, did you see that, uh, where that church in Cincinnati, Ohio, in Cincinnati, Ohio, this church gave uh, 46.5 million, paid $46.5 million worth of medical bills. Did y'all see, anybody see that? One. I got one over you. But there is a article, you can YouTube it. You should YouTube it. Uh, it may not be a YouTube, I'm not for sure, but um, there's a church in Cincinnati. Uh, it's the third largest church in America, I believe, it's, or else the top five. It's a huge church. They paid, um, they got this uh, medical billing company, and for every dollar or $100, oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember, either a dollar or every $100 they paid, they would wipe out 1000 it may even be 10000 It was a really good deal. There it is. Cincinnati Church wipes out $46.5 million of medical bills for 45,000 families. Did you hear that? There's 45,000 families that have been impacted by struggling to make a medical bill and a church pays for it. I believe we're walking into something where the church is not just going to speak and proclaim the good news, but they're going to show it. Amen. I believe that. I believe it's t- because, listen, you know, when I, uh, let me just be honest with you, five or six years ago when I got a hold of the grace message, I just, thought, I know one thing, our church, we're going to go to a 1,000 and just like rocket time. That was six years ago. We have grown some, 
the way in my brain I thought, this is the greatest message I've ever known in my whole entire life. Surely there's going to be thousands of people to come to hear this. Not so much. They're still staying away by the tens of thousands. But uh, um, So I, I know this, that nobody's going to have unity in the world or in the church realm based upon doctrine. It's just not going to happen. To get everybody to believe the same so we can have unity, it will not happen until Jesus comes back. It will not. But this is the thing that will cause unity, and that's understanding the love of God and love. Do you know those 45,000 families? I guarantee you some of them have probably done so many bad things and have such horrible past, but all of a sudden they realize that a church paid off their medical bill. It's going to cause them to think that God still cares about them. God cares about people's financial status and struggling. And so I just know that God wants to show his love, not just preach about his love, because the world is needing and hurting. You know, this whole coronavirus, I mean, there's people that are scared spitless, man. I mean, they're just scared that they're going to die, you know, and I, it's my opinion, I've I'm not saying it's bad or anything, but, I mean, more people are dying from the flu than that, and nobody was scared or wearing oxygen oxygen mask, you know, 24-7. But um, we just need to tell people the good news about God's healing power, that he will help you. He will cause you to, to not fear. Not to fear, but um, I just know I started thinking about our church and what we can do. And let me just say this. You know, on one side of the ditch, six years ago, the Lord showed me legalism and how that puts people in the ditch to think that you have to do everything right to receive from God, which is a ditch. And there's a ditch on the other side of the road as well. And the Lord says, you know, if, he says, if you're not careful, Mike, that's what you're floating towards, going downstream on this raft, and that is this. Well, I know God loves me no matter what, so I don't really have to do anything or believe anything. That's wrong. That's a ditch. But the middle of the road is this. I understand how much God loves me no matter what, and he's provided everything for me. Therefore, because I have a revelation of that, I can put others first and do the works of Jesus and cause the love of God to be manifested. Having an others first mentality. That's what Jesus did. He ministered to people that were hurting. And it's not because he did that to please God. He did that because of the love of God that was in him. And so therefore, he wanted to manifest that love outside of him. Does that make sense? So, I just thought, all right, how can we do that, Lord? And I don't know. But I felt like the Lord said that's the way we need to start thinking, and he'll lead us and guide us. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. I know the three biggies, you know. But to be honest with you, that's three biggies that are not going to be manifested tomorrow. 
And therefore, sometimes when you think that way, well, yeah, that's three biggies. Then you don't do anything right now, you know, as far as believing God for a new building, believing God for the youth center for our city and to build a college in the Congo. So what can we do now? What can we do now? And the Lord just says, I'll lead the people if they'll just start thinking that way and having faith for that. Because right now, he says, the faith needs to be stirred up in your church, Mike. And it starts with me. It starts with me. But he says, the faith needs to be stirred up. We need to start believing things for our church. You know, like our youth. I know Sarah and Anthony, they'll be here in the second service. And uh, Tiffany and Benny are out of town. But we have Vicki. They all make up the team of our youth. We need to believe for our youth to grow because our city is just causing the youth to be swallowed up in, in, in drugs and, and crime and just terrible things. We need to believe for our youth, actively believe as a church family. We need to do that. God cares about kids. And that's our future. So we need them to hear about the gospel, the good news. We need to actively be believing that. We need to be believing for uh, our, our worship team to grow and to be able to, to worship at an excellent level. And just every, our children's church and, and just every facet of our church, we really need to have faith and believe God that we can be impact our city. We really do. God wants to touch our city. Well, last Sunday, I wasn't here. I went to uh, a friend's church of mine, and I felt led to do that. And um, it was last Sunday, and that was Friday that I made that decision. I was going to be here last Sunday, but Friday, I just was praying. I just felt the Lord wanted me to go visit a pastor friend of mine and just i'm not going to tell you who it is but he he has a large building that's paid for multi-million dollar building he moved in and one year later it's paid for and uh this minister he's wealthy he's just wealthy and i'll just leave it at that and um i just felt the saturday when i got up that morning the lord said I'm not even going to say the Lord said. I just sense that. Let me put it that way. You ought to, you ought, Mike, you ought to give him a $1,000 check personally. And my first response is, Lord, for the last two months, I've lost more money. And I did, I'm not in the greatest position financially. So I kept talking to him. And then I talked to Melody. And Melody could tell that. If you keep talking, you will talk yourself out of this. And I thought, that's kind of what I'm doing, wanting to do. <laughs> so I could keep that $1,000 so I can have some money. And uh, so she said, no, you ought to go and write that check right now. So I did. I went up, got my checkbook out, wrote that $1,000 out to him, and I gave it to him Sunday morning. And this is the thing that people don't understand about finances. We have that kind of mentality. Well, I need it worse than they do. Most people think that way. I need the money worse than the church. I need the money worse than that person. I need the money worse. 
And it's really not the God kind of thinking. All kinds of enthusiasm running now, I'm telling you. We think wrong about money. We think wrong about money. I know this. Last year, there's a woman in our church. I'm not going to say her name because I know she's coming to second service and she doesn't know what I'm going to do or say. But um, I told this woman that um, the Lord wants her to own her house instead of rent. She's been a renter forever. And so I just went up to her and said, the Lord wants you to have a house. And she got excited or whatever. And that was many months ago. And... um, it was only her and I. I didn't even share this with anybody. And uh, I was at a meeting. Didn't tell anybody anything. I forgot about what I said to that lady. And uh, I was at this meeting. I'm going to show you the clip if they can pull it up. But before I show it to you, listen, he's going to call out my name. But the Lord told me that it's not my name. It's you. It's the church. So you make sure you keep that in the back of your mind. I don't want anybody pointing their finger and go, oh, wow, Mike, you're... No, it's us. Everybody hear that? Can you run that? I see it's like a a four-part foundation. One part of the quadrant's going to be broken, and that's not a, a negative thing. It's a good thing. It's broken so it can grow. It's broken so it can grow. And the Lord is filling in the gaps of a crack that's in one of the four quadrants of your foundation. And this quadrant is filling up, the gap is filling, and God's going to begin to increase that and bring you forward. I see in your lifetime yet another double hitting you, another double hitting you. You've come to this point, I see a double hitting you, uh, Mike. You're just a man of God. You have a spirit of excellence, and you love people, and you do probably 70% of what you do is unknown to everyone else of how you take care of people. And the Lord says, I know it, and I love you. And I'm giving you uh, appreciation today. I see that with the Lord saying, I appreciate this man, and I'm bringing him forward. I see you writing a note and a title deed and working with several people, and you're literally meeting the needs of a single woman with this title deed and working on a process. And the Lord says, that pleases me greatly. And God's going to bring you uh, many things to pass for you and all that. There's 48 days. I see 48 days in front of you. These 48 days are going to be a very good scenario. And as you walk through these 48 days, the Lord says, I'm going to lead you, guide you, step you through a process. So I didn't tell anybody that, and the Lord just said, I see you at the title company writing out that deed. God wants to show his love in a way that will impact cities and nations. It's just what we want. I mean, we can just keep preaching great messages in here and People get ministered to and blessed. But I think the Lord's saying it's time to take not just the gospel outside these four walls, but his love to where that's going to be manifested, to where people know how much God loves them and that he's a good, good father. And so I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. And, uh, but... I just need everybody on board. I just need people to, um, to connect to us. Connect to, you know, I'm not just saying connect to God. That's the main thing, obviously. But to connect to us, the leadership of this church, 
I need you. Not in a legalistic way. I'm not twisting anybody's arm. I've told all of our leaders, I said, if you hate doing what you're doing, I don't want you doing what you're doing. I say that even about giving. If you feel like you feel pressured to give, then don't ever give. But I think most people don't understand about giving. I don't believe it should ever be a legalistic thing. Then you tell people that and you go, well, thank God I'm never going to give. You don't understand. It's just the same attitude when Paul said, uh, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. He's talking about grace. And so the people go, hey, so can we sin then? He goes, you missed it. Same people think, I don't have to give. Well, you missed it. I don't have to do anything. You missed it. And that's okay. I, I, it's not going to mess up my hair or anything else. I, I'm just going to keep loving. I have no idea what anybody gives. You can ask Christina and Sarah. They take care of the finances and report. I don't know who gives what. I just know what I give. So I'm not asking that, but I am asking for your heart. I'm asking for your heart. You know, and I know when I was growing up, you know, they would have people, if you need to rededicate your life, you need to come forward, you know, and I probably did that a thousand times. And, um, and it was good for a few days, a few weeks maybe. But the bottom line is this, there has to be a heart connection. So I'm going to close in prayer. Can you bring me that? Maybe you set that up for me. This is, I've never wanted to do this, but I'm doing it today, so whatever. This is a personal vision board that I've had for years in my office right back there. It's been in my office for years, and what I want to happen. And there's some personal things on there. I'm going to own a commercial building. I'm going to own an apartment complex. I'm going to own real estate. And... Um, Because I want a lot of things to happen in my life and be a blessing to a lot of people. And people say that, but um, it, whether you believe it or not, it takes a lot of money to help people. They paid off $46 million worth of medical bills, but 45,000 people got blessed. It just staggers my mind. What if every church in America had that as their goal to do something for their city, for their nation? Amen? Connect to God. If you want to stay for the second service, you can because I'm going to, as long as that lady, she said she was going to be here. But um, I know that the Lord wants to do far greater things than he's ever done. I've meditated on this for the last six weeks that um, in 1985 or 86, the Lord gave me a vision where you've heard this probably a hundred times, but this is what really helped me this last two months. I was in a pit where the mud 
was so thick that it was up to my shins and the pit was like four by four, five by five square. And when you put your hand in the walls, your hand would sink in mud up to your wrist everywhere. And it was like 100 or 200 or hundreds of feet deep. And I saw Jesus and he was little bitty, like two inches tall at the top of this. And I cried out to him. I said, help me. I need your help, Jesus. So he bent over and he started putting his hand down this pit. And it kept growing, growing. I tell people it was like go-go gadget. You know, it just kept going, chink, 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 chink. Kept coming down, kept coming down, kept coming down. And as it was coming, his hand was filling up the whole pit. It was getting bigger and bigger to where it got beside me. He put his hand out like this in the palm of his hand. And I stepped up into the palm of his hand. And he started carrying me out going up and as I looked up as we were going up Jesus started getting bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and when I got out of the pit he was this huge Jesus and he set me on this huge boulder and then I woke up and he gave me this scripture I didn't even know what this scripture said Psalms 40 1 through 3 I mean, it was like audible. Psalms 40, 1 through 3. Psalms 40, 1 through 3 says this. I cried out unto God, and he heard my cry. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. Put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. And this is the part that I'm trusting. Many will see it. And fear and trust in the Lord. People will fear and trust in the Lord from what he has done in my life. So I'm believing that. I'm believing that people are going to once again trust in him. Instead of our own actions, instead of our own ability. We have to trust God. There's no way I can make this happen right here. And I've been disappointed about this so long for so many times I thought dear Lord am I going to be like Abraham 100 years old and start having a kid I kind of thought you know I thought how long do I have to wait on this and but you know it wasn't uh, God's fault that Abraham was 100 he told him when he was 90 it was Abraham's fault that he was because he wasn't believing wasn't trusting what God said He's called the father of faith. Let me encourage you. My time's up. Let me encourage you in this. He's called the father of faith, and yet that dude doubted more than just about anybody. And he lied. Oh, so is that your wife? No, it's my sister. He didn't just do that once. He did it twice, and his wife still let him live. I, that would never happen today. It, was the, it was, must have been the time, because if a man did that today, he, she, he'd be dead said, yeah, he was the father of faith, but I killed him. I'm the mother of faith. <laughs> but anyway, my point is that dude doubted all the time. And God, you read about what God said about him in the New Testament. He's the father of faith. He's the man that believed me. And I'm going, really? Really? And the, God even says he never doubted. And I'm going, what's up with that, God? Do you lie? He says, no, that's the way I see him. He said, that's the way I see you. The problem is, 
It's not the way you see you. You need to see you the way that I see you. A man of faith who believes me all the time. Trusts me all the time. So I'm encouraging you today. Let's stand. I'm going to encourage you today. Let's believe God in this church. Let's believe God for big things. Let's believe God for our youth, for our children, for our worship team, for every part of our... Let's believe God that he's leading people to start businesses. I mean, we have Chris and John and Jen, a few people here that own their own business. God wants to do supernatural things for businesses to be just downright millionaires. Millionaires. There is such a abundance of money. And that scripture in Romans 15, 13, it says the power of the Holy Ghost will surround your life continually with his superabundance. With his superabundance. So let's believe God for his superabundance, for businesses to be started. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. God can, you can. I can pastor and do all this business stuff because I used to think, man, I got to be 100% pastor. The Lord says, that's what you want. He said, but I can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can too, Mike. You can be in business and pastor. You can own all kinds of things. And they can run themselves by people that you want to place over that. We just need to think bigger. You need to think bigger about yourself. Let me pray for you. As I pray, if this is your church, if you feel like this is your home, then I'm asking you to say, God, I really want to connect to what Pastor was talking about today. Connect to his heart. Connect to the vision. Connect to what you want done, not only in this church, but in this city. Will you do that? Will you do that? Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name. Hearts will be open, minds to be receptive, for us to think differently, for us to think bigger, for us to be connected to to this church, this body of believers that, yes, we are family, but not just to be floating down in a peaceful stream, but everybody start getting a paddle and, and saying, okay. We're going upstream. We're going to reach our destination. We are going to see the manifestation of the love of God, not only in our church, but in our city, our state, our nation, and around the world. Whatever you want to do through us, we are open to that, Father. We believe in Jesus' name for revelation knowledge, for those small steps to to start to be taken. In Jesus' name, amen.